1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, before we
0: get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand-new Black
2: Magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music.
0: Hey, welcome to the
2: 112th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Warren Kaplan, and today we have Spencer Griffin on the show. He is a college humor alum, also now at Stupid Buddy, Seth Green's company that makes robot chicken, and he is the new head of development for TV. So we talk all about TV pitches, treatments, what he's looking for in new shows and what you need to know in order to pitch a tv show with stupid buddy if you've ever wanted to pitch a show to an
0: executive this would be a good episode to dig in on but before we get into all of spencer's incredible insight oren i really have been dying to know
2: what have you been working on lately well it's funny you ask because It's been kind of like a weird year. It's been a little slow. And so when people aren't hiring you for work, you start working on your own projects. And I've been getting really into this feature that I'm working on on the script. And now I got these two jobs and I'm like, damn, Mm -hmm. I've been like dying to get good jobs and I got them. And now I'm like, ah, but I was just getting like my momentum on the feature. Do you ever have that? Yeah, bro. And then I complain (laughs) about it on the podcast and then you call me a baby about it. Oh, yeah. Well, you are a baby about it. Um, anyway, so I got... Like li- literally on the... Po- like Just <laughs> listeners. Okay. Like episode 108. I'm like, I don't have enough time to write. And you're like, shut up. Yeah, that is a good... That is something that I would say <laughs> sounds pretty smart. Anyway, so yeah. So I got two jobs that I'm excited about. I'm doing a commercial campaign. A pretty uh, good commercial campaign. Yeah, in June. Uh, and I'm also shooting this e-pilot presentation in june and they both have the same thing came up that has basically happened to me on every single job in the past year and a half especially commercial jobs which is they're like hey we're gonna do you know three 30 second commercials and like three 10 second instagram whatever stories and now it's eight instagram stories Mm -hmm. same budget same Mm -hmm. number of days to shoot and same with the e-pilot presentation hey you know we're doing a pilot presentation here's the script it's long it's got a lot of things going on in it can we shoot it in two or three days you know right so i'm curious what you do when you know there's no way it can be as good as you want it to be because you have to shoot so much in one day like what's the level of pushing back versus just you know either deciding well i'm gonna make these are gonna be the two good spots and these are gonna be the five not as good spots or like what, what's your strategy in dealing with that? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a couple of tactics you can
0: take, um, picking a favorite or two and like maybe fighting for, you know, if you got three, if you got a, three special shots in every single spot and as a result of adding two more spots to the day, you can't, you don't have time for any of them. Maybe pick one spot where you can really put all of them in there. And that's the hero spot. And also commonly, Everybody knows there's one hero spot. Everybody knows there's like the main one. And then there's kind of the supplemental,
2: you know. Do they know? Because that's my point of view. It's like, look, we're going to shoot five spots. We know one is going to be like the one we're all going to use on our reel because it's the best. So why do they want us to make 12? You know, like Mm -hmm. what's the difference between three and 10? At some point, you're literally just making everything worse. I mean, part
0: of our job is to be aware of the practical limitations of a crew and the creative and the time and sometimes these other companies don't have the set experience frankly or just have magical thinking um and so you know there's some politics to be had of like you know i really want to focus fire i think it's really just looking at the schedule i really i ran the numbers i tried to figure out a way to make it work and i think the best way to do this is really to just kind of Prioritize and make six really awesome spots, which is still an insane number of commercials to right. shooting two days
2: Which also sucks because then it's like now these six spots have to be amazing, <laughs> Even though it's still more than you have time to shoot Well, the good news
0: is that they have to be amazing no matter what because <laughs> you know Your career and livelihood and family depend on it,
2: right? Welcome to directing to what happened today was we were speaking to the agency and we're like, hey This is a lot of spots and they're like, yeah, the client wants all of them. We agree and they said, well, Orin, why don't you send us an email telling us your concerns and why you think we should shoot less spots. Oh, and we will articulate that yeah, yeah. to the client. Right. So I tried to send them an email, but it's like, you know, it's just a bunch of junk. I don't know. Yeah, I was like, be, if there's a wardrobe issue, if there's a this, if an actor doesn't get the line right. And then I feel like in their mind, it's like, well, you're the director. You should make sure the actor gets, the, you know, yeah. like I want them to know. Sometimes the sun is in the wrong place and we have to move everything or there's a kid screaming in the back or police sirens come by. I think also
0: maybe sometimes you can kind of hedge and say like, well, what if we put the least important
2: spot at the end of the day? Yeah. They're, see, in their mind, it's like, can not we just well, we wrote them all for like the same location. Can't we just like change out the actors and just run like 10 different versions? And it's like, well, yes, but inherently you're making worse spots because now your location has nothing to do with your characters, right? Mm-hmm. Like if this is like a college dorm room, and you want these two sorority girls sure. to have the same college dorm rooms as these two yes. football players, college students and football players all go to the
0: grocery store. That is technically true, <laughs> right? But it's not good for their character.
2: Yeah, so it's like you're you're just asking us to make more stuff that is not going to be as good, um, and. I had a hard time articulating in an email why that was the case. Anyway, uptown problems. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. As they say. But but yeah, so I'll let you know how it goes. But I'm uh, super excited to be working on both of these things. Well,
0: once again, I think you and I, career-wise, are uh, in a seesaw. I (laughs) literally just wrapped out the job that I've been working the last three months on. And I'm now done. And I'll tell you what, I've had the worst case of senioritis think i've had since i was literally a high school senior um not that those jobs weren't fun and great and i loved them but like i'm really ready to be um freelance and fancy free basically cool. so get ready for more great tweets and procrastination from matt and low nice
2: um well cool before we jump into the interview with spencer uh i just want to remind people that we have a patreon page at uh, the url is patreon.com slash just shoot it pod oran i'm not familiar what is a patreon page what what do you what does that mean so patreon is a website that allows creators to get support from their listeners so if you guys really like our podcast feel like you're getting something out of it it's been useful to you and you're wondering if there's some way that you can help us and help ensure that it just keeps going on forever and gets better uh Patreon is a website you can go to, you can pledge a dollar a month, which would be like 25 cents an episode, or four dollars a month, which would be like a dollar an episode. You can start and stop whenever you want, and it, it. we would be using the money to pay our editors, our producer, and try to host some more live events. So if you're interested at all in supporting the podcast, check out patreon.com slash just shoot a pod. And if you're not, don't worry, the podcast is free it's regardless. going to keep trucking.
0: Yeah, it's just a great way to support all of the people... Uh, mostly not me and orrin frankly (laughs) who work really hard to make the podcast consistent and great and um, we're hoping to just make it better and better to do more events and kind of expand uh, expand the purview of the podcast in a way that i think will be helpful for the community so if you want to help that happen or if you want to support your fellow craftspeople, i think this is a, a great
2: way to do it sure yeah. And with that, let's get into our stupid buddy, Spencer Griffin. Spencer Griffin, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is my second time seeing Spencer in a week. So I saw Spencer at Weird Al, and and uh, it was cool. You were there with your boss, who my brother was like, Is that Seth Green? When we walked up to you guys, he's the one that was like, Hey, I'm Seth. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like, you know, I yeah, tend to the- not bother. Known people, because I know they get it so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you are working with him now at his company. Yeah,
3: so I'm the head of live action development and production at Stupid Buddy Studios.
0: And the reason your title is so long, and you have to clarify, live action development
3: and production is because Stupid Buddy is traditionally... An animation and 2D and stop motion company. Because I was at this networking event a couple weeks ago, and people are like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm head of live action... And they looked at me funny, and I'm like, it means normal. It just <laughs> means normal TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> TV and normal stuff. And they're like, live action? Like, it's live? I'm like, no, it means human. Yeah. It, <laughs> like, human beings are Not on screen. A puppet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, David Brooks, who runs the commercial division of Stupid Buddy, was like, yeah, I mean, you're doing something really cool here, man. Like, you've got this really cool niche. I'm like, the niche that is 95% of the industry? <laughs> Yes, I guess that's yeah. a niche.
2: They're like, We never thought of like putting a human in front of the camera. Yeah. Like how do you animate them? Yeah. Like you just tell, I mean, them it goes a them lot tell them to move
3: faster. It's really it's really cool. Like the Stupid Buddy has been around for you know, many years and, and robot chicken is obviously awesome. That's what they're and, most
2: famous for. Yeah.
3: You know, it takes one human being all day to do about seven seconds. Of a right. stop motion show, which is lightning fast, right? Like they're famous for knowing
0: how to, yeah, animate in a way that's stylish and cool, but like not as labor intensive as your, um, yeah, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas is
3: or I your know. I Love Dogs. Why? Right? I don't know those processes. I know there's 175 employees. Sure. So it's like super labor intensive. That's there's how hard stop motion is. Yeah, it's 18 months is the production cycle for Robot Chicken. That's gnarly. Yeah, and it's, they're
2: shooting like everything at the same time. too. Yeah, because
3: right? there's multiple stages because there's no audio. It's so bizarre from a live action standpoint or a normal standpoint. It's bizarre <laughs> how they work because the scripts are done. Mm-hmm. You mean like they get the audio? Yeah, track. the scripts are done and then they record with actors and then they give it to animators. As opposed to in live action, it's like, it's all, you know, the script is... Sure, there's no improv, it's, there's it's no, It's just like, a suggestion. It's Feeling a suggestion. Feeling things yeah. out, there's yeah. no one, but like that's like, that's a And then they friendly. can cast for the lines. So they don't, they write it, and then they go find somebody who can do the lines as written. They don't go, oh, that, ooh, that person auditioned? Ooh, we should, okay, we can, we can work with that. Let's, mm-hmm. like, figure it out. No, because everyone can do, not everyone can do voiceover, but, like, there's so many voiceover actors. And it doesn't matter what you look like. so. Right. So just get the. So right the voice script the right. is yeah. king and queen and jack and all and, a, and all the th- whatever the metaphor is. It's it's has to be perfect.
0: That's so interesting too because your background is in you know comedy and sketch comedy and all of that, and I feel like we kind of all came up in a period where improv was very cool. Gag reels, gag reels, and like just you know moving lightning fast, and so that mentality of like, oh, we're gonna. Feel things out on set and cross shoot things and all that stuff. That's a relatively new phenomenon. Most of the time people yeah. wrote their scripts and like, you know, especially when you came from like a, a New York like playwright, you know, the playwright yeah. is God sensibility. You didn't fuck with people's lines, right. you know, and so it's interesting to have come up in that era where where everything is kind of like a little loosey goosey and we can kind of, you know, mess around with stuff.
3: Yeah. There's no multiple takes in stop motion
0: yeah sure (laughs) but they they do it
2: once but they mess up right sometimes they have to redo never no mistakes (laughs) if you do you're fired like it's like few mistakes
3: yeah well it's it's just they don't like move the arm in a few different ways and then the editor decides which way was best Mm -hmm. they move it the way it's supposed to be moved right and sure they make a mistake but then they get it right right and then you move on yeah they were like oh wait i'm going in the wrong direction back it up a few frames and like and i took somebody on a tour today of all the stages which is you guys, all of you should come. Everyone listening should come. But uh, a woman who was working on this one of the stages, there was like three characters pop up out of um, caskets, right? Like they're mm-hmm. vampires and they pop up. And I was like, yeah, you know, I bet the writer just wrote they pop up out of caskets. That's as that's a small. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> it took her all day to have them pop, quote unquote, sure. pop up. Because every little bit has to move. I
0: remember uh, on a show that I did last year, it was about like these super rich people. And like they would, the star was also one of the head writers. And he would write like three Lamborghinis in the driveway. Yeah. And then it wasn't until he was on set and he saw like, literally tow you can't even drive a lamborghini because like they're so hard to drive and like so expensive that like three tow trucks had to move them in and it took like six people to like coordinate all that stuff and he was like fuck i should have just written one
2: um yeah same sort of idea yeah writers man yeah i ruin it and in stop motion like if you have like five people in a scene it's probably like it's a lot every single frame you have to animate every single person yeah how often does, like, someone have a cold and sneezes and ruins, like, an entire day's worth of work?
3: Uh, Well, not so much because the they they build all the puppets. I've learned so much. Puppets don't mean your hand goes inside a thing. Puppet means anything that moves on mm-hmm. camera. So the action figures in Robot Chicken aren't, it's not like they bought them from eBay right. and then used them. They've, they rebuilt them completely. Sure. They took great pains to make it look like they bought them off eBay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So they're all structurally very, very sound. And, right. can, you know.
2: But I wonder if there's, horrible. I wonder if there's like one person that works at Stupid Buddies. That yes, they're like, steezy. Don't let, <laughs> yeah. Don't let Sarah in here. She keeps falling on everything. Yeah. Well, so before you were at Stupid Buddies, you were at College Humor for Nine 70 years? years? Nine. Yeah, 70. <laughs> 70. Yeah, yeah. And were you running production there?
3: Uh, yeah, for parts of it. I had like, in seven or nine years, I probably had 17 jobs. Hmm. I started as a post-production coordinator and slowly worked my way up and ended up being their executive producer. And so I was in charge of all production. But at the very end, I was also in charge of development.
2: So, and that's kind of what segued you into Stupid Buddies. Yeah. So did you take pitches at College Humor too?
3: But only for the last year.
2: So now you're developing live TV, right? Yeah. Sorry, well, TV. Sorry. Live action TV. Normal TV. Yeah, normal <laughs> yeah. TV.
3: Live action TV.
2: Like half hour, hour comedy, drama.
3: Half hour comedy.
2: Half hour comedy. And so how does that process work? Like let's say one of our listeners has a great idea for a half hour comedy. What what should they do?
3: So everybody is unique. I Every stupid buddy is unique. (laughs) Oh. Uh, How they would get to me would probably be going to my website and then like emailing me on my website. But typically. Which (laughs) is. Which is SpencerLeeGriffin.com. And if someone were to, like, say, listen to the show and want
0: to reach out to you, what would they put in the subject line?
3: Uh, they'd put Matt Enlow recommended me. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe just shoot at listener. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, guys, but, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they could put just shoot it, listener. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those forms on a website that, that they'll go to my personal email. Um, typically, I reach out to my friends, right, and people I know. Uh, or I go to agents and managers and say, like, what do people have? Um, and I try to give the agents and managers kind of a... Uh, I have a little shtick that I describe as, like, what we're looking for. Um, but it's its pretty hard to be somebody who doesn't know somebody, unfortunately.
2: Mm-hmm. I heard uh, this interview with, I think, Michael Arndt today. Or he was g- giving a, a talk. You know, he wrote Toy Story 3 and Little Miss Sunshine and Star Wars. And he somebody asked him how you get your script to an agent and his answer i thought was kind of great which was i mean the first part was the obvious part like everyone has a different way you know yeah. there's no one answer to that but the second part was just try to work in the industry and you'll meet people and within a couple of years you'll have people to send your script to yep um so i mean that's kind of the same thing you're saying but so just i actually don't know a hundred and 12 episodes into this podcast i don't know if we've ever talked about how you pitch like a tv show and what the entities are so there's a production company there's a network there's a studio can you kind of explain to us how that all works yeah
3: so this is one of those times where it's it everybody's different again every process is different our my process or our process is i typically go with a writer who has the idea right that's that's kind of the focus um that writer it can go a lot of different ways But that writer has a script Let's say I read it And I like it I read it And I like it Right And I go great Write up a treatment I'm interested in Wait well, so wait. they go s- Script first And then treatment Or they could go Treatment then script They could But typically people Will have a pilot script mm-hmm. if, if Especially if they're Up and coming Or they're emerging Like they People Anybody can write A pilot script Sure right? So they have that
2: And this is like A 30 page type Script Yeah, type of thing.
3: yeah. 30 page script um, in final draft or Celtics or whatever and, and formatted properly. Mm, not and all Celtics, the, you guys. Not definitely. Celtics? No. Okay, great. <laughs> whatever it is, it's properly format. Like, you know, yeah. all those right. things. We, we can't tell right. no matter what. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and some people will just have a treatment, but more often than not, I read full pilots, honestly. If people are five years or ten years into the career, I end up reading more treatments. Mm -hmm. But the early people have their script.
0: That's interesting.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Because by the time you're five or ten years in, you're like, oh, I don't need to write the pilot yet. They'll pay me for that. But also, you can say like, well, I wrote this
2: on this show. I was a writer on Last Man on Earth. I was a writer on. But all those people
3: that turned treatments into me have pilot scripts. They're just not pitching those anymore. Right. Right. right, Because they've all been passed on, or they're samples, or they've gotten enough feedback like no one will ever make this. So. You know. Yeah. So the
0: the the th- small treatment is basically the fast way to get something into your hands. Yeah. So yeah. well,
3: I the the pilot script is great because right. the I'm more interested in the treatment. So whether somebody sends me a treatment or they send me a pilot, we work on the treatment together mm, more I so see. than we work on the pilot because what's interesting to me is the the distance between what you think you wrote and how you describe what you wrote.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating.
3: Because sometimes people think what's in their pilot is not really in there and they'll, they'll once you get them talking about a character and they're like oh she's this this and this you're like that's not in your script mm-hmm. at all and they're like oh well, it comes up in episode five it's like oh Beautiful. i'm not gonna <laughs> we're not there yet yeah. we're not you gotta yeah, yeah. show me everything yeah because if you look at the great drama pilots everything's in there right and i think that's how comedy should be too you know, And there's so many examples of it not. Like Andy wasn't Andy in Parks and Rec until season two or three. Or, but sure, fine. But still, as much as you can get in the pilot is better for me. right? Because so often in the pilot, this is another thing I see, is people are writing premise pilots, mm-hmm. which is really a prologue to me. Mm-hmm. Because it's not what the show is. So it'll be like the f- per- person's first day at the job. And it's like, oh, it's a way to meet everybody. Right. But is the show, every episode, there's a new person at the job? no well then why are we starting there but
2: like mad men is a good example right it's peggy's first day but everyone else has been there for a while yeah yeah i think of like scrubs as the example
0: that i use for like oh you meet everybody real fast but it's also the exact same tone and adventure and style that's what makes pilots suck so hard it's like it's like you have to be an actual episode and also introduce everybody at the same time. yeah i
3: assume the er pilot was noah wiley's first day yeah, right. I bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I think so. Yeah, but Noah Wiley's not the lead of that show. It's yeah. the tension. No, I'm sure right. but Breaking Bad is definitely a premise pilot, right? Well, I I think that I, I don't think it is because it's that's what the rest of the show is. Is his balance of I mean, maybe it is. I mean, I guess I, how you,
2: it depends how you define
3: yeah, premise pilot. Yeah, part, yeah.
0: part of the challenge though is that it's one thing to pitch a serialized pilot, right? Like Breaking Bad had a very finite end and like a pathway, right? So there was still an engine, but it wasn't Scrubs, right? Scrubs is like, there's a new medical emergency and a zany adventure every single time. I think that there's been a shift from more episodic TV to something more serialized. Yeah. And that's where the discrepancy comes in,
3: you know? Yeah. I still think you have to show what the engine of the show is, though. Oh, you, certainly. Without we're, we're, yeah. we're, Anyways, so no, treatment. No, no, This is yeah, good? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, this and, okay. is the, yeah. and I'm actually,
2: I think this is what probably a ton of people nowadays are wondering. Like. Right are there still places that want a modern family or a Scrubs pitch to them? Or is everyone looking for like a last man on earth or a um, search party, you know, like a se- yeah. episode serialized yeah. search comedy. party
0: is a great example, right? Like that first episode is really the kickoff for the rest of the series. It is yeah. a prologue, right?
3: Yeah. That's what, they. but it selling. has what the series is. That's the plot, mm-hmm. but like the tone, the theme, the adventure, the, mm-hmm. the sense of like, what is going on that's present,
2: right? It's an example episode. With
3: also setting up the show, yeah, because I I think in some of the pilots I read, it's it is that sort of madman style where it's like one character's journey. Mm-hmm. But if you're pitching an ensemble, the ensemble has to be there, right, immediately, right. right. So it really, what, what's interesting me is the disconnect between treatment and pilot. And when somebody writes a pilot, how do they describe their work? And it's two different skill sets, right? Like mm-hmm. some people can write great pilots and then just can't write an essay about their own work. Or the way they describe their work is just so different than the tone of what their pilot is. Mm-hmm. So one key thing I, I tell people is when you're describing characters, put in a line of dialogue for your character mm, that's to prove what they sound like. Hmm. Um, and like a defining line of dialogue. Right? Yeah. Like I can't, the line that, can't be like, hey,
2: where's the bathroom?
3: Yeah. Like if that character had a Twitter account, what is that person tweeting? Mm-hmm. Right. And so that way we see it, especially in a comedy because so many treatments in comedy aren't funny, right? And it's like, oof, if you can't describe your show in funny ways, it's hard to sell that you're funny. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. So Yeah, that's incredible advice. Yeah, lines of dialogue and character descriptions are great.
2: Um, and, and generally, you don't need images, right? You don't need a picture of like the nah. archetype of this character or anything.
3: Uh if he, if it's really important to saying who they are, like if if it's if there is an actor that fully embodies who that character is, it doesn't bother me.
2: So you don't but mind if someone said, like, a Danny McBride type or a
0: Amy no, Poehler type? but you don't need a me. photo of a- Amy Poehler and Danny McBride. You don't need yeah. it. Yeah. What? What? Let me back up a little bit even wider.
3: What does the document, like, what does the treatment look like to you? Treatment, to me, is you start off with your log line, right? Which... And does it, can it be like four, four or five sentences? Or do you prefer
2: I like, it to like be like short? a couple
3: sentences? The log line to me has to show so much. It's got to show the story of the show. So the, the log line of Parks and Rec is something along the lines of Leslie Nope is an optimistic person who is trying to make a difference in her small town, admits bureaucratic backdrop and apathetic townspeople and it's not very funny yeah in spite of the town yeah right. like, and, and so you're showing what the uh, episode to episode drive is going to be of the show yeah so like Seinfeld is not a show about nothing <laughs> Seinfeld right. is a show about selfish people making mountains out of molehills right but you think that's how they pitched it no. I don't know how they pitched it. I, I, they pitched it like, hey, Jerry Seinfeld is a successful comedian. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> well, because... But it, but what matters to me is the treatment's not even something we're going to give anyone necessarily. Right. But something interesting is like, it's
2: so easy for us to pitch like Mad Men or Breaking Bad or The Sopranos or the Last Man on Earth because we've seen it and it works and we're it's easy for us to pinpoint. But... Um, what's hard to figure out is how to sell a show before anyone thinks it's good, you know? Right. Um, and so, like, a log line, I don't know, something I read today was that ideally, some screenwriting type teacher type person was saying, like, ideally your log line has some irony in it, you know? And mm. like Leslie, nope, she's crazy. You know, the, sm- the most ambitious person in the world is running the Parks and Rec in Department that town. nobody gives a shit yeah, yeah, about, yeah. It, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and so, like, if you can and isolate the conflict yeah yeah and just like make it like the happiest person you know or the saddest person on earth gets a job at disneyland like you know like how can you get like yeah show the conflict or the irony yeah i
0: think you're describing the engine of the show which is always the thing for me a log line needs to uh, you need to understand the tone and then like what each episode is gonna feel like and what the story mm-hmm. is going to be, basically.
2: I think if you just write antics ensue at the end, <laughs> is pretty awesome.
0: holiday, yeah. it's pretty the comedy and hilarity ensues. Yeah. I, yeah. but it's do... funny. <laughs> yeah, but but funny. Anyway, uh, so
3: that's the start. Is the log line? <laughs> let me let me ask you though, because um, I will. We're use probably to... just gonna focus on just the log, log line. Yeah, yeah, log lines. So They're super important. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: it's it's worth spending this time. Uh, but I will tell people oftentimes to go ahead and say like. Give us a this means that, but be a little bit more specific and say, like, you know, the visual style of Parks and Rec with the um, crassness of South Park or something. So so the mm-hmm. people can dial in. I want to know as best as I can what the tone is at the very beginning of the document so it frames what I'm reading for the rest yeah. of the time, which is hard.
3: I, yeah, I think, I think I'm of a mixed opinion because... So many people are. It's Thirty Rock meets Always Sunny, right? Right, and you're <laughs> like, w- well, th- so, those are two funny shows. So the workplace comedy of Thirty Rock with the uh, nihilism, of, and that's where I would say then take out the shows and just describe what your show is, not what it's like.
0: Interesting, yeah, that's true. You know,
3: because I think too often it's hard to find that balance between just referencing a bunch of really popular shows and and that distracts me from well that, yeah those are all shows What's yeah. your show
2: right fair because
3: to say the nihilism of it's always sunny it's like well philosophically what do you think the nihilism of always sunny is i think it's straightforward they all <laughs> only care about themselves so that's self yeah sure. so that's that's more selfishness sure i guess right. that's true yeah
0: but in the face of i, I don't know it's always sunny <laughs> well enough um, yeah. or nihilism really but <laughs> <laughs> you just don't care sure yeah sure. <laughs> i'm trying I, I to believe in
2: nothing i'm trying to pitch this feature that tonally is just like get out it is like a rosemary's baby or the shining type of film but if there's like funny moments and get out is like the only movie yeah that kind of has pulled that off and if get out didn't exist i guess i would be like it's kind of like it's rosemary's like a, baby but fun, with rosemary's funny baby. moments yeah yeah um so it's like sometimes it's weird because there's only one thing to compare your thing to. yeah
3: I, I prefer honestly after reading as many treatments and pilots as I have like to not reference other shows. Mm, interesting because it's so easy to reference other shows And that doesn't mean that you've done your homework on what your show is because the the and, and that the big questions I ask everyone is why this, mm-hmm. why you, why now? Sure. So I guess I'd love to hear. Why
2: you care about the why you because I think it's something in today's kind of climate in Hollywood, there's a big focus on new voices, right? Mm-hmm. And I even heard, or, or even just personal stories, right? Like, mm-hmm.
0: there, people are always looking for, like, oh, you lived through this thing, this is autobiographical in some way, or inspired by your life in some way, or there's something, to, uh, well, you know, there's people want to buy passion, sure, and authenticity,
3: right? Yeah. But I think that comes with, like, if if you're pitching, if I'm pitching a show about amusement parks, and I'm like, oh, this is a workplace comedy about amusement parks, but everyone's really selfish or everyone's nihilistic sure, sure. or whatever. And people are like, well, why do you want to tell this story? And I go, oh, I just think it's funny. No one sure. wants to buy that. It's got to be but like... But what and,
2: if they said, well, I grew up going to Disneyland. I had an annual pass, and I went there
3: every week, yeah, and I yeah. thought it was... Sure. Like, or was that my summer job was in... Yeah, or even if it's just like, well, I think amusement parks are the definition of American culture. I think it's where families can come together and spend a crazy amount of money in order to have a very base level of fun that you could probably have if you imagine. But like, that's what's interesting to me is the divergence between, mm-hmm. you know, classical family time and opportunistic capitalism. And I'm like, oh, OK.
2: So it's, it's- enough that it's just something that's interesting to them. It, yeah. it doesn't have to be their, from life. their life.
3: Yeah. I mean, ideally, it's from your life, but not everyone grew up next to Disneyland in this what in this example right um it's more like why should you be telling the story and not anyone else i could hire who's better than you and more experienced than you Mm -hmm. so what is it about this that gets makes you want to work 15 hours a day for the next five years because the show the show isn't the pilot the show is the next five years of your life your whole life uh is is it good enough that the
0: answer is insight you know, like, because that's really what you're saying. It's like, oh, like the, the picture
2: that was your example was really just someone being thoughtful about. Well, having like a know. point of view yeah, on yeah. the topic, I guess, because like if you're pitching sci-fi or horror or something supernatural or fantasy, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess it's probably just on a per case basis, but I'm sure our listeners are thinking like, well, I have this sci-fi idea about this monster that time travels back in time and does these things, but anyone could write it. Right, it's just I just have the idea, like
3: yeah, and then I would say go listen to Guillermo de Toro talk because I bet he speaks from the heart about why creatures are important to him and why love stories are important yeah. to him because it's it's the sci-fi idea is probably not about a monster it's probably about loneliness or yeah. whatever I mean right sci-fi now.
2: is just about loneliness yeah sci-fi one things are about loneliness <laughs> <sighs>
3: especially podcasts yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> especially Spencer's drive over here yeah. Dude, just talk to Siri. Yeah. She's cool. Yeah, like, I think that's that's interesting. Though, It's really you're saying like talk about the themes. What? Why do the themes in your work speak to you? And that's another way to kind of uh, explain what the show is about without being so presentational. Of like, this is what the show is about. Another way of saying it is like this. Like, I'm passionate about it because I think this is interesting. Is a better way into
3: the the text or the subtext to your show anyway. Yeah. And I, and I even get nervous about words like themes because there are so many themes you can pick, but I'm, I don't watch shows for themes. I watch shows for drive. Mm-hmm. And so like what, if it's, if your theme is revenge, sure. sure. And like talking about the nature of revenge is okay. But like, why do you care about revenge?
2: Yeah. I'm like afraid to pitch theme because like, I don't want to say like, Oh, it's about, a family you know it's about family because i feel like yeah that's like one of five things you can choose from like a universal theme list you know yeah yeah but i think when i say themes i guess i mean like the heart of the show yeah exactly somewhere in the
0: middle where like it's not you're right like if you go like a little more road and like you know the theme of revenge the theme of man versus nature or something that's boring that's right that's not super interesting but like i think if you can connect it to what you're passionate about, then you're
3: really actually talking about the true thematic
0: content of
3: the yeah. show. And right? I would say, I don't ever want to see the letter, like the first person, personal, first person, personal. How do you describe the word? I like the letter. I, uh, the word I, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you don't want, for, you don't like it when yeah, people start
2: a person sentence personal. with like, I used to yeah, do this. Sure. I'm saying I
3: don't like it. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's something you have to describe the work that it's important outside of yourself, but really be talking about yourself.
0: So, yeah. I'm sorry, I feel like the Venn diagram of you and my high school AP English teacher <laughs> is like overlapping in ways <laughs> that I wish I could travel well, back in time and explain to myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, in are you, good are ways. you Are you
3: saying I I feel like an AP English teacher? Yeah. Cuz that's my goal in life. Mrs. Moore, <laughs> yeah. she was real good. Oh. <laughs> I was hoping for like Mr. Jack. <laughs> he drove Mr. a Jack. Mr. Jack drove yeah. a motorcycle. He was the cool teacher. But
2: I do think the takeaway from what you're saying is like, just because you grew on an orange farm and you thought it was so interesting, like the devices used to pick oranges, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's interesting to everyone else. You're oh, trying to yeah. find like the universal truths. Mm-hmm.
3: Right? Yeah. And that, and that goes to like why this. There, I got pitched a show about a summer camp. And they were like all these people are real isn't this so crazy that this happened and i was like i do not care about your personal life in that world (laughs) in that way like why this summer camp why this year of summer camp why these people just because you think it's interesting and you're connected to it is not enough um because i think people get tripped up on their own personal experiences that it's wonderful right Right. So, because it actually happened is not a very good reason to write something. Yeah, because the adventures never happened. Yeah, it's very interesting.
2: <laughs> um, so maybe it did. <laughs> before we move on uh, past the logline, one last logline-related yeah. question. So there are some producers, even a couple that we've had on this podcast, that say to people they know, "Just send me like a few, a bunch of loglines, and I'll tell you if any of them seem interesting." Do you ever do that, or do you prefer? I
3: think I did it to you.
2: They I, might, it I could, might
3: have. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it's if I know that somebody does have ten ideas in their arsenal, then I go give me five, and I'll pick the one that's best for stupid buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, because not because what we're looking for is different from than what other companies are looking for probably, or what I'm looking for is different. Right? right. The other way I go about it would be, what's the one TV show you want to make? If you go only get to make one your whole life, mm-hmm. that's the one I want. And right. I don't want to hear about your other ones. Hmm. Because when I go yeah. into a room, it's, this is me. I'm putting everything into this person. This person, this is their one true story they have to tell. Right. And the, the point of that is that
0: you're putting a lot of collateral into every idea you take up the line, right? Yeah. Like you're putting it on the line. I think that's so tricky because I find that it's a little freeing to know that I'm going to have other ideas and I'm going to have other times at bat. And like, this is not my last chance to sell a TV show.
3: Yeah. That's the, that's the counter advice, which is like Luis Alfaro, who is a playwright from LA and is an amazing, amazingly talented artist. I went to a talk back of his when I was 22 or something. And he said that the biggest thing, that he finds in young writers is that they think of their play as an opus, that it has to be about their father, their mother, their boyfriend, their girlfriend, their roommate, their work, their art, everything, their couch, everything. But really young writers should think about their work as a bookshelf full of plays. Right. Because you probably have five plays about your mother and six plays about your couch or whatever it is. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it's tough because I want to say to you, Matt, give me the number one, TV show you want to do and if you pitch it to me and it's about your summer camp I'll go <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I say hold on Spencer and I open my trench coat and I go through the Rolodex and yeah but you friends. get that it's from exciting. Matt's perspective he's
2: like I really like stupid buddies I really like Spencer I would dream, you know it would be awesome to develop a comedy show with him I have three ideas that I'm really excited about and I want Spen- I want Spencer to be excited about them too so I'd love to yeah. share those three yeah. ideas.
0: Yeah, it, it's tricky because I think typically I will meet with someone and then come back with ideas afterwards. Oftentimes, that are custom to a company.
3: Yeah. Well, I think it just depends on what type of person you are. Like, I yeah. think you're the type of person that has ten ideas. Yeah, I have more than that. Well, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> you're the type of person that has ten good ideas. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Maybe thirty. Hopefully the, more than that. But the but some people are very passionate about a singular. Well, story. There's just something about them that you know that they've got one great story to tell, sure. and not only one, but like they have it in them right yeah, now. They're ready. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or they're a performer, and you're like, "What's the What's the <laughs> one sure. that you're gonna be the lead of?" Yeah, yeah. Tell me that one. Yeah, that's right. fair. Okay,
2: cool. Yeah. Well, so I think we got log lines. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what's the next part of this treatment?
3: The next part is the um, what I would is the story. It's like what the show's about generally. So is it like a synopsis or yeah, I'd say it's synopsis. It's usually like two paragraphs of like what what's the world, what's going on in it if the log line is a workplace comedy about an amusement park and how it's open every summer and is filled with people who whatever the, the next two paragraphs to me would be about what the show's really about. And so you're just taking like the log line and pulling it out in two <laughs> paragraphs. Yeah, and it's it's no personal mission statement. It's not. It shouldn't be too pat yourself on the back or hyperbolic.
2: How much do we need to know about the characters in this section? Not much.
3: Whoever the leads are, it's fine. But the characters can come later for me.
2: And do we? And we? Do we describe the engine here? Like Mike is going to have to figure out how
3: to. Oh, that's later. I would say that's later. I I think the first two paragraphs are just the world, the engine of the show. And like what the main plot season arc is. Of season one. Yeah. And then when you get into characters, where I think people trip up is they describe their character. And then later on they describe season arcs. Mm -hmm. But really each character description should be one paragraph about the person with a line of dialogue. And where they go over the course of the season. Yeah. yeah. Because if you can't do that in four sentences, I don't know if you can do it. Yeah, And also if you do it
0: in order... More or less of how you would introduce them In the show Then you can drive your narrative forward The way it naturally would anyway Yeah. yeah. Well something right.
2: interesting that Tony Ascenda told us When he was talking about how he pitched American Vandal Sorry, Peabody winning Tony Peabody Ascenda. winning Tony Ascenda Was And I think this is like helpful to think of it's Sometimes like I like to think of the document as how I would just say it Out loud to someone Because whenever I have ideas I like pitch I basically am constantly pitching them to people and seeing if people I can stay awake till the end of the idea or not. And I'm always pitching different versions and sometimes pitching the world first and then the characters works better. Sometimes pitching the characters first and then the world. It just kinda depends like what's your hook and then how what's your engine, right? And so I feel like there is a little bit of like flexibility. Like you wanna you wanna unfold the information in the most compelling way
3: yeah and I would say the world is less the, is not the setting right the, it's not mm-hmm. a 1960s advertising agency right. that you know is stuck against the backdrop of whatever the 60s however you describe it. it's more like this this show is about the relationships inside of an advertising agency right, right. but and also how,
2: at a time yeah. when men felt like they had certain roles to fill and women had to, had certain roles to fill and we we're gonna see that yeah. flip
3: and that's the world. Right. That's what I would describe as the world. Right, right. And that's what would be in those first two paragraphs. Right. Um, the world of the show, not the setting of the show.
2: And then do you cover, like, in each episode, we'll see a different advertising campaign, like that type of thing?
3: Um, yeah, at some at maybe. If, if that's really what the show is. If, if it's a workplace comedy and it's like, oh, well, each episode is going to be about the uh, new advertising, that's good. But I, I would leave it a little looser. Like, we're going to see, adver- you know, clients come in and come out we're gonna see pitches go up but it's really a show about the relationships inside the world what are like the company
2: some of the things you just keep seeing over and over that people should stop writing in this section (laughs) i i'm guessing (laughs) that one is like there's gonna be so many guest star opportunities oh
3: i actually don't get that too much oh really yeah which is great um i thought i would get a lot of like that or branded integrations Oh, More like social integrations, which is how digital people pitch <laughs> sure. digital shows. Sure, sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. But TV people don't pitch that. No one says transmedia in your pitches. <laughs> yeah. You're like, Each yeah. character will have a Twitter feed that will. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I honestly think it's that people describe their show as other shows, is the mm. is the thing I see most. It's that it is Parks and Rec meets It's Always Sunny or Mad Men meets Family Guy or whatever. And it's yeah. just like, it, for me, it's completely disorienting. Because when somebody says, it's like Mad Men, I'm like, ooh, I love Mad Men. <laughs> then I'm thinking about Mad Men, sure. And right. then I'm like, "This isn't Mad Men. <laughs> I'd rather go watch Mad Men." Fair enough. So, but yeah. you know, that's it's a personal, yeah, yeah. That's a personal thing. So I think that, and I also think that people are will often describe the shows as they see the show versus as I should be seeing the show. So one of the big philosophies I have in treatment writing and and just generally pitching is we're not pitching a television show; we're pitching a pitch, and so. You want to describe the show as you want me to describe the show to other people, Mm -hmm. not the way you describe the show. Because your relationship to the show is one thing, and no one else will have that. Right. So. Yeah, you
0: and that can be in the subtext of the show. That can be, you can talk about that in the actual pitch, but the document should be, like, about the show. Yeah. The show show.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to move on into like what happens once the treatment's done, but I, I wanted to ask one more question about the treatment. Yeah. I hear a lot that people like you are looking for shows that you can think of five seasons worth of things, right? Like, can this show last five seasons? If it's only one season, then I don't know if I want to make this show. Then that's a miniseries. But yeah. but I have a friend right now that's pitching an anthology show, mm-hmm. and part of the hook is like, and then the second season is so different. It, it's like an American horror type of you know, it's like we'll use kind of some similar, some overlapping characters, but it'll be totally new stories and new worlds yep. and new times. And I'm like, that's cool, but like you really got to sell me on like the pilot and the first season. Like I, you can't sell a show because the third season is going to be really cool. Yeah. Um, what's your philosophy on like how important season five is when someone is pitching a show?
3: My opinion is I want to make sure the writer is prepared for a marathon because it's a marathon to make a television show. It's a marathon you sprint. <laughs> so, sure. Indeed. So, like, if if it's, if it's they only have one season in their brain because it's an anthology show, that's fine. I, that doesn't bother me. But if it's going to be an ensemble workplace show or, like, any of the great comedies that are about families or friends, it's not that, like, it's still the very common question of networks is what's episode 100? Sure is just so frustrating and, and well, but, the, the problem but it
0: matters. It matters because that's when they're really making money. Yeah, but yeah. is that
3: still true? Yes. I do think the syndication model still eroded a bit. Sure. But it's still you still want to get on Netflix and Hulu. Sure. Eventually. And I think you want it does matter to me that you're thinking about your show long term. Whether that's in the document or not doesn't matter to me. Whether you've said, like, oh, by season five, Don is going to be with a new wife. That's re- that's crazy. And that's plot. And I don't really care about plot. Right. Because shows aren't about plot. Right. Shows are about relationships. They're about themes. They're about voice. There are all sorts of interesting things that have nothing to do with plot. Right. So Characters can die. They can move to a new office. Who cares? Yeah. But the point is the
0: engine has to keep running, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But if the engine is something that naturally has an end to it, that is inherently less appealing to people
3: because they want to make more money off your your show. Well, I mean, if you think about The Office, like Michael Scott's engine is he is, feels separated from his colleagues and is desperately trying to be relatable to them. Right. And in so doing separates himself even more. Right. So that can go on for forever. Yeah. It's not about Michael wants to be the assistant general, whatever title... Yeah, he was going for who cares
2: okay so you've written a treat you you've taken a pitch you liked you've yep. worked on the treatment with the yep. writer yeah and what's the next step
3: um we probably work on the treatment some more uh it's a lot of treatment work uh the next step is then i mean part of it is like it's all strategy it's deciding what's next and every project's different so some of it you go to a packaging step mm-hmm. and you go great Really good idea. Let's go find a showrunner. Let's go find a head writer. Let's go find a director. You're not famous enough. Like, or you don't have a track record enough really. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's not even, you don't have a track record. It's like, I don't know that you can do this. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure we're setting ourselves up for success because writing a television show is really hard. Sure. And it takes a certain type of person that can run a show. And so, we want you want experienced people working on your television show that can handle the pressure and the and all that comes with it.
2: Um, and does Seth Green get involved at this point? Does he go like, "Well, I know all these showrunners because I've been in TV for a long time. I'm going to start sharing this treatment with some people." Yeah,
3: and there, and Seth's one of four owners, and all all four owners see everything that we're trying to do, and they all they all offer opinions on like, "Oh, this person would be helpful," or "Oh, I think you should do this." But they're not really, um, their job isn't to be day to day. My job is to be day to day. So they're more of like sort of a godfather advice mm-hmm. than, hey, I'm going to go connect you to this showrunner um, and like be part of that conversation. Right. So, part, so it could be a packaging step, right? Um, that can be really challenging for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's like, oh, let's go get a famous EP, but they're not going to be the showrunner. Um, Do you need to attach a studio at some point? or are you the studio well so i don't know much about studios so we're called stupid buddy studios because we're an animation (laughs) studio not because we're a live action studio so my my understanding that a studio in the television model is somebody who will finance the project that then sell to a network right right i don't want to work with studios because that i just want to go straight to the network straight to the network interesting yeah so Dude. if some if a studio happened to be involved because of a relationship with a showrunner or celebrity, mm-hmm. great. But I don't. I won't pitch to studios. I'll just pitch directly to networks. So or like, would you ever pitch to like a pod? You know, like oh, so and so has a
0: deal set up somewhere. Only
3: if that. Only if like Rachel Bloom, who has right. a pod, and I was like, oh, Rachel Bloom would be a good executive producer. I would then go pitch Rachel and sure. her pod.
0: She yeah. wrote on uh, Robot Chicken, so there you yeah, go. Yeah,
3: that's. She's on, yep, she's sure. in, we talk about her a lot, actually. Sure, cool. Um, and she's brilliant and wonderful. And her show's a good, like, touchstone for how to make a great television show that's about a lot of different things, but ultimately it's about story and character. Yeah, um, and it's got some workplace comedy in there. Yep. Which you love. Which I love. <laughs> I do love a good workplace comedy. So then we get into um, the pitch and working on the f- actual pitch. There's been a few strategies I've employed over over my time and i really like practicing a pitch because i have a theater degree Mm -hmm. and i believe especially if you're pitching with performers if they can't memorize a pitch and make it feel real in the moment i (laughs) oof what if you're (laughs) pitching with a writer if i'm pitching with a writer then we will um rehearse it to the point to where i feel like i know that they're going to be successful in the room Mm -hmm. and maybe that's not as much but we have to practice it Mm -hmm. and it 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 doesn't have to be written like a play where you memorize lines but it has to be rehearsed Mm -hmm.
2: and we as you and the writer just the two of you would go in and pitch. yeah yeah and you cover basically you cover what's in the treatment in the pitch right
3: yeah for the most part like what i would cover what i would start out as like hey because i know i'll know all the people on the network side and i'll talk to them and chit chat and then be like this is why i love this idea. I love this person, I love this. I'm kind of the hype. Sure, sure. Man and right. you're like
0: this person's done x y and z. Yeah. All the
3: things that would be awkward for them to say in the
0: beginning. Right. This is why they're so awesome, you yeah. say. Yeah. And
2: the people receiving the pitch, what have they seen at this point? They've seen nothing. A logline? Nothing. Comedy genre? Uh, well, they're all show? yeah, it's all comedy
3: people. Ideally they've seen nothing. And you get to just go mm-hmm. or I've been like or you say like, "Hey, I've got this person" and they've got a really great idea and it's in the adventure space right. or it's in right. the what? and then you
2: you're rolling an easel in right and it has yeah, sure. something covered with a <laughs> yeah. fabric yeah ideally
3: yeah. there's no materials given in the meeting i okay. like this yeah because you just you want them to listen to you and hear you yeah and then you have a leave behind you can follow up with something but no one's flipping through a packet as you're right. talking yeah zero visuals zero visuals unless you have shot something or have something that perfectly perfectly encapsulates the tone of the show yeah. Right,
2: if you're Guillermo del Toro and you have the maquettes of the yeah. Shape of Water yeah. beast or whatever, then you show Or if that. you've
3: made a short with your friends, that is an example of the work. And cause some things are hard to describe tonally, but once you see it, you know exactly what it is. Yeah, and we should clarify, this is, you know,
0: it's a different recipe for each person. I feel yep. like, uh, or and you're like, you're ready to roll in the AV card. And well, I'm like, what if I just wing it?
3: Right, and you it sounds like you're somewhere in between. Um, I definitely don't believe in winging it. I'm not really winging it. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I definitely but, also don't believe in AV carts sure, because sure. there's other ways to do that. Right, um, sure, sure. But so my point <laughs> is,
0: I know I'm good at talking, and Oren is much better at Photoshop than I am.
2: Well, I guess there's. It yeah. just depends on the show. Like I was pitching this sci-fi show that just had a lot of characters, um, and at the time, the, my writing partner and I felt like if we just show a picture of what each character looks like, it'll be easier for the listeners to track. Like, who we're talking about. Yeah, like, how do you
3: pitch Battlestar Galactica? Sure. You have right, to have yeah. something visual, right? Like, because right, yeah. there's so much going on?
2: Um, but we started uh, with a lot of visuals, like, a lot of kind of tone-setting visuals, and then we just, like, pared it down, pared it down. And at the end, we're like, all you need to really know is, like, this is what the ca- who the characters are, and yeah. now we'll talk about it. And
3: all you really need to know is, again, you're pitching a pitch, right? So, like, you're pitching something that they can walk out of that meeting and go, that was cool. Yeah. I'd like to hear more. Yeah, just going back to my own personal style, that's why I like the
0: treatment so much. I'm yeah. great at writing a treatment, and I'm good at interfacing with someone. So I lean on those two things, and then know that they're going to forward that treatment along to somebody else
3: later anyway. Yeah. How important is the opening of the pitch? Not nah. Like... I mean, they're going to, it's the first five minutes, I suppose. I guess that's what you mean, right? Like, they're going to buy the show in the first five minutes or not. Sure.
2: I mean, you've introduced this person. Like, I love Madeline. She's got this incredible background in cross-country running, and yeah.
3: she's got this crazy Great, story. Crazy story about cross-country running, yeah. the thing that everyone's just salivating for Yes, yeah, so it's about today's a, marketplace. It's about a
2: Christian church that runs. It's called cross-country. Um, hey, yeah. No, but <laughs> then she starts talking, right? Yeah. Does it help if it starts with, like, a personal story? Like, so I thought of this idea when this... Or so I noticed this thing. Or so when I was at Disneyland... Yeah.
3: That's a slight personal narrative of, like, why? Because you have to establish why you want to make the show. Mm-hmm. But that should be so fat I mean, the whole meeting should be 15 to 20 minutes.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And you're pitching... Including chit-chat. Yeah. Because everyone else... Everyone's got things to do. And what I like to do is leave some things out so that way you are... Um, Inceptioning, is that Mm -hmm. right? Inceptioning a question. Incepting a question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ideally that you have a great answer for, which is why practice is so important, because I've been in pitches where we didn't practice because we wanted to be quote unquote organic. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Death glare at me. (laughs) No, no, not I mean it's just like, like where where it's like oh no we just want this to feel so natural and authentic that we're not gonna right it's just it. a conversation It's just a conversation having. which it is a conversation but don't doesn't everyone else plan their conversations like i do <laughs> like, yeah did anyone ever date when you date you figure out your top three right. stories yeah, to yeah. tell and you tell them very well or like yeah. if you
2: quit a job you're like i'm gonna say this and this and this exactly and then they're like here's more money and you're like thanks <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> yep and you stay sorry at your job. honey but I even when you put quit. a job and you talk about the old job, you know exactly what you're going to say about the old. Like you sure. do practice these things you talk about.
0: Yeah. there There's like a a script that you sort of develop over time. Right. Yeah. And so
3: so you, you do the pitch enough to where you know what you're going to say. You know what you're not going to say. And when they ask you the questions, you can say it. And if they don't ask you the question, then you have it rehearsed to offer. Mm-hmm. So sure. if you if you're talking the whole time, then you forget you purposefully don't talk about visual style or music mm-hmm. and then because that's they such say, an obvious question to ask. Oh, there seems to be a lot of music in this, Spencer. Yeah. Oh, oh well, that's so great. That you. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's a good, that's yeah, a good thought. So, that's so insightful of you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then also, I don't like to have the treatment done too much ahead of time because then whatever they latch on to, you revise the treatment to meet. Mm-hmm. So you can pivot a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah because unless... Because the the people I work with are are and develop with are brilliant and wonderful, but they're not experienced showrunners. Mm-hmm. So experienced showrunners get to Michael Shore. I'm sure says this is the show. Bam, sure, and doesn't have to pivot a little bit. But the rest of us probably should pivot a little sure. bit.
0: Well, and part of that is also just like again track record. Like it gets easier to sell things and to execute things the more people trust you, right? Yeah. So that's why you're the hype man. That's why you're there to say like. Oh, Orin has done all these awesome things. Yep, trust him; he knows what he's doing.
3: And I've done all of these things that you respect, and I've right. been keeping up this relationship for years, so right. you know me, and you know I'm not going to bring in a bunch of bad stuff. Right?
2: Have you ever been in a pitch where everyone is just like super bored?
3: Oh, yeah, half of them.
2: <laughs> and do you so? But, do you believe in like just getting through it fast, or just cutting your losses?
3: <laughs> I don't think the reaction in the room has anything to do with whether they're going to buy it or not. Really no it doesn't matter because they are who they are you think so yeah because I, i've i've mm. had people go this is amazing this is wonderful i uh, love sure, it sure 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 and nothing and i've had people seem totally disinterested and they make a script offer
0: i guess i have i always know if i've sold it
3: that's great
0: in the room yeah i think so yeah like you know if it's gone well or not even I, if you know you don't think so
3: now who cares you're, I'm not really doing it for them. I'm doing it for their bosses. Yeah, yeah, huh? And so, what if they don't give me a good response? I don't beat myself up about it because who knows what's going to happen?
0: Well, sure, that's true. There's, uh, you have, and if it goes great, ideas. I don't
3: pat myself on the back, going, "Oh man, but we've sold it." Yeah, I've been yeah. in rooms with celebrities and pitch shows. And they have said, "We love this idea. This is absolutely right for us." And then they come back and go, oh, "They go, sorry, Pass. sorry, yeah, we have something like it in development." Sure, sure, you do. Sure, <laughs> maybe they do. Maybe they do. Yeah. Uh, um, so I don't think it really matters how they how they respond. I try to ignore it. I think that's healthy. Thank you. I, I go to therapy. Yeah, way to go, man.
0: <laughs> I guess I don't. I don't. It doesn't bother me. Well, the whole time you've been talking about, it, I was thinking about a really bad pitch that i had where nobody was laughed at any of my jokes but besides that yeah i feel like you have a you have a sense of whether or not it's right for them or not they can be giving you lip
3: service for sure yeah well yeah like unc- but, but i guess it, does, it your point yeah, is my that point is it, is it, doesn't, it doesn't, matter. doesn't matter it doesn't because matter because that no, person could be having a bad day or that yeah. person could be bored but maybe the idea is good enough that it doesn't matter right right so it just i i don't like and that's where it's not like it's dating Mm -hmm. you're not i'm not looking for visual clues on are they they like this should i talk like i know my pitch so well i'm going to pitch the show Mm -hmm. but
2: ultimately you can feel if people are engaged or not and that's kind of all but but again it doesn't matter right but if someone's like falling asleep or looking at their phone like you might want to like wrap things up or not do the longer version do the pitch just stick it out
3: stick it out because you don't know who they're gonna be or where they're gonna be next month and what you're trying to do is be the best person you can be and the best pitch you can be and the best storyteller you can be and if the even if they don't like this idea they might like your next one
0: certainly i'm not saying torpedo anything but i guess in the same way that you were saying like oh you need to be prepared to pivot right yeah if you can sense that like you know, maybe there's a little bit of interest in the general subject matter and then they latch on to something that maybe is Slightly off from what you were thinking the show was gonna be right do you expl- do you mind that vein a little bit? Do you explore it a little bit or you just you it, my it, show is my show and that's that
3: No, I think it depends if they're like, oh, that's really cool what if, what if the teacher was also a dinosaur? You go, oh, I didn't even think about the teacher sure. being a dinosaur. That's right. interesting. But what we've been working on so far is, and you go back to sure. your show. Yeah, yeah. So you you like say yeah. all of their ideas are interesting and cool. I I've been in pitches where people have been like, no, 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 that's not right. It's mm-hmm. this, and it's like, oh, nobody <laughs> wants to be told that because <laughs> it, it's this is all an ecosystem, and the people who are working at networks. We're probably one time directors, writers, actors, something like you don't get into entertainment because you love accounting. Mm -hmm. So they are human beings with hopes and dreams and creativity in them, and you have to treat them as such. Absolutely. So
0: they want you to win. Yeah, they they want you to blow them away. They
3: want you to win an Emmy because that will get them a promotion and get to go work at HBO. Yeah. So they are rooting for you, even if they don't seem like it. And you want to allow them to be part of the process.
2: So one last question about this, something I've heard a lot, and I believe is true, is that you're actually kind of pitching yourself. How much of your pitch is about your pitching team versus pitching the idea?
3: I think if you've got a performer in the room, they're buying who they want to be on a billboard. Sure. Yeah, definitely. If you're a talent, then they're buying you. Yeah. If you're a writer... You are selling yourself, but probably you're you're going to hire a head writer anyway. So right. they're buying the idea. They're de- buying the development process with you. They they want to explore it.
0: Maybe point of view, point of view, yeah.
3: style, tone. Yeah, interesting idea.
0: Um, so in the in the same way that you're saying you are kind of selling yourself, right? Like when we say point of view, style, tone, idea, that that's you, right? Yeah,
3: you're selling. My brother once told me this. Half of your job is being good at your job, and half of your job is being somebody people want to work with. Yeah. I mean, I and, in directing, it's more than that. Right? Oh, yeah. Way more than that. Yeah. And so it's you're selling yourself insofar as you're asking someone to spend the next five years of their life with you. If you switch on a dime, if you're too salesy, or if you switch on a dime, or if you're too meek and timid, or if you can't describe your work with passion and interest, the why would they buy it? Yeah. But that's all part of it. Like... That's why you work with a production company, like or Mm -hmm. a person like myself, because like we will figure that out before we get you in a room, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, When I have calls like with agencies for commercials, it's the same thing. It's like you want to show them that you're collaborative and care about their ideas and want to want to be a team, but you also they're all kind of nervous about the project, and you want to say like, "Hey, guys, don't worry, I got this. I got this." Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's also a weird extra layer
0: of like. It's not your baby in the same way. You know, like when you're pitching a show, you kind of do have to stand up for the creative. And like if it's challenged, if someone's kind of testing you a little bit, if you pivot too hard or if you you just bowl
3: over, then that's that. That's why people like me are good in rooms, because I've always told the people I'm pitching with, like when they ask a question, pause, mm-hmm. wait, I will jump in if I think it's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> and I will jump in. With, You're going to jump I'm, on a grenade. I'm going to jump on it, and then I will indicate how you should respond to this question. That is interesting because I've been in enough of these rooms. Yeah, and and I've done I've done the TV rooms, and I've done years of branded and sure. commercial content.
0: I was going to say I've seen you jump. Like we've <laughs> yeah. been in the foxhole together. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> like, especially when I was younger and less experienced, like you kind of have that frozen moment, and there is somebody there to like. Ideally, jump in and let yeah. you know, like, to
3: take the lead on that yeah. conversation or to like back off and don't worry, we'll figure sure. it out later. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Because if they ask questions about music, it's fine, it's fine, <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, what yeah. if it's an 80s soundtrack? Sounds oh, great, oh, cool, totally That's awesome. Everybody thinks they know music, yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Well, cool.
2: So, what's uh, any tips for people, like, for listeners on? Like things that they should or should not include in a pitch. Like if people
3: at home are kind of working on stuff like that. If you're pitching somebody like me, write the treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you unless you have a real bio and a real credits, the script isn't good enough. I want to know who you are and why you care, and give me just like two to three paragraphs. Be passionate about your work. And be confident in what you have to say. Yeah, I'm I'm working with a, a writer who she is on draft four of her pilot. And it has vastly changed Mm -hmm. of the 37 page. There's probably 31 new pages over the course. So, and it just takes a ton of time. And so it's also like the tip I would have is it's a long, long road. And if somebody doesn't like this pitch idea that whatever the listeners have, you need to be working on your second one anyway.
0: Yeah. I joke about having the shoebox, right? It's like you have that wealth of ideas that maybe you developed out a little bit or maybe not. But, like, when you go on a general with someone, you can follow up with, like, here are the things that I'm excited about that you should check out.
3: Yeah. And and also, just because everybody passes this year doesn't mean they're not going to pass in five years because all the networks change. All the executives change. People like me change jobs. You never know what the new mandate is. And Get Out five years ago would have been the... A totally different movie, and five years from now it'll be a totally different movie. Whatever the f- Get Out in twenty twenty three is, so just hold on to it if it's really good. Yeah, and move yeah. on to your next one.
2: And he worked on that script for ten years, supposedly.
3: Yeah, well, like the movie Love Simon that came out. Oh yeah, I've seen it. It's I haven't either, but that's not a movie that would have been made ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Sure. But the pitch of that movie of the
2: writers is like we've never seen a high school movie with a gay main character. Let's do that. Yeah. So before we wrap things up, we actually have a listener question that we thought you could help us answer. Oh, fun. Um, So the question is from Ryan Kelly and he says, my writing slash directing partner recently pitched an episodic series based on our latest short to a production company. The company is offering to start the process of working with us to pitch the series out to big streaming providers and buyers. In the previous few weeks, we submitted the idea to a few other major festival competitions which offer meetings with development execs from a handful of networks, which can lead to other great opportunities to sell the series. So do production companies expect that you're developing your TV series with them and only them? Do festivals care about whether you're already developing the show and that you're there to pitch at these competitions? Um, and can we still participate in these festivals while working with this production company to develop the series? So and how, like who do we owe informing? Um so I guess, the, you know, the question is, like, how exclusive, like, when you're developing a show with someone and then some their friend at NBC is like, hey, we love this, uh, come talk to us, what is the level of commitment?
3: I think it depends, right? If ideally you're, you're close enough with a person at the production company that you can have an honest dialogue and be transparent, I err on the side of honesty and transparency because I'm from Iowa and Midwestern and I'd rather sure. be clear than be a, a jerk or be wrong. Um, or burn a bridge. Or burn a right? bridge. Yeah. We don't know who's gonna be who. Yeah. You know? Um Ryan Kelly sounds like a guy I might work for someday. So Ryan, great question. Yeah. Love your question. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, really I, interesting insight. Yeah, really interesting yeah. insight. And well, I so think your show's great. Um, um but I, th- I I think it's ideally they would not certainly they would not pitch NBC without me. Right. If if we're talking about your idea, we're mm-hmm. talking about
2: it. But what if you are so you've worked on this treatment for like two days. And then the people that wrote this idea to you had also submitted it to like a pitch festival and they win.
3: Yeah.
2: And then through that pitch festival, they're like, Hey, we're going to set you up with all these meetings. I, I mean, I'm guessing and, that you would say like, I can, we'll also set you up with those meetings. You, right? And you yeah. haven't signed
0: any paperwork. You haven't made an offer. You're not, there's yeah. no, you there's know. no we're, money. We're flirting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah cause,
3: and cause the, and that's part of it, right? Like I, Am working on 17 things right now and I don't have signed paperwork on any of them. So you guys don't option ideas? We don't pay for ideas, no. But that's because our... I'm not interested in buying your idea. I'm interested in helping you make a television show. So you own your idea. Mm -hmm. And there are certain companies that try to own your idea and those companies you should be very wary of. But So even if you've
2: developed it and added characters and changed the whole plot and themes and all yeah. that stuff
3: it's still their idea it's still their idea that's my job right is to help make it the best tv show possible now we're attached to each other right so you have an expectation of exclusivity though yeah for right. a time period yeah and but you, that comes in the paperwork so up until that paperwork nobody owes anybody anything right but the paperwork p- protects both parties they protect me from mm-hmm. you going to sell your show after i've helped out a lot and they protect you from me selling your show without including you right right because right. I could go sell your show. I Because I could call NBC tomorrow. You can't.
2: So we need each other. But you're saying you have 17 shows right now
3: with no paperwork. Yeah. Um, Which is something I got to work on. Obviously, I, will, I, I want paperwork before we officially pitch. Mm-hmm. But up until that point, we're talking about the idea and making sure we're a good fit. Because mm-hmm. once the paperwork gets in... There's going to be a clock attached to it. Right. You know, it's going to be, we're going to work on this together for 12 months. And I want to make sure that that 12 months clock starts when I'm ready Mm -hmm. or we're close to ready. Right. Not when we're debating what the treatment is. Because 12 months is surprisingly short. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's very short. Right. So the answer to Ryan. Yeah. The answer to Ryan is, uh, talk to the person you're developing it with. If you think you can leave them and go to somebody better problematic I, I don't you know I don't encourage that sort of gameplay because that's how you burn bridges but I would say just be honest and say you want to go through mm-hmm. that process and if that if the production company says don't go through that process then you have a decision to make and generally this is part of my big philosophy about development strategy it's like everything's a decision point mm-hmm. so whether we attach somebody, whether we pitch to this person, Or this network whether it's a half hour or a full hour it's just decisions you make there's no right or wrong Mm -hmm. um generally my advice would be to be honest with people because when you're honest with people and see how they react to it then you can make a decision on what you want to do based on that new information right which is just it's like a life philosophy that i think is like important in this in this entertainment industry uh even though i don't think most people subscribe to it so Mm -hmm. Generally, if you're really in-depth with somebody, if you're more than two days, if you're multiple revisions back and forth, I wouldn't pitch to networks or other production companies.
2: Well, let me tell you a scenario that happened in my life. So I had this show that I was pitching, and I submitted it to the Slamdance Screenwriting Film Festival, the pilot festival. We came in like second place at the festival. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, And at the same time, we were showing it to people we know, and we attached this producer— who had worked in tv and done done some things and he got us an agent basically just for the project um and then we got an email from amc saying hey we saw we like the log line you know for that from the slam dance when like and so we forwarded it to our producer and we were like what we said what should we do about this and he said nothing just don't respond and then we ended up you know months later we're like well can we go to amc we got someone reached out to us we don't know how high up this person was on the totem pole and our agent like sent them like a treatment or something and they're like we're we not interested in hearing this so, so hmm. there was a feeling a little bit that we had like squandered this opportunity yeah. yeah um I, but you know but i feel like we kind of did the right thing
3: yeah without knowing more context it sounds like that person had an agenda about amc and I, mm-hmm. and I think that's where s- certain production companies can really confuse talent and writers is, hey, we have this offer from this one network and that's a really good deal. We should take it no mm-hmm. matter. We shouldn't even pitch other networks. It's like, well, what else do you have on your slate? Because I have, like I said, I have 17 or something projects that are going to six networks. Right. All 17 are going to six or maybe nine. Mm-hmm. So there's certain I have a priority list. And I have a pecking order of which projects I want to go where and when. And so that's the troubling part because production companies have agendas. Right. And they have friends. They have friends and they have other side deals. They have situations Mm -hmm. where they're like, oh, this network passed on my last pilot, but they said the next one's definitely going to get a script deal. So I don't want to take them. You know, there's all these sorts of interesting ecosystem backdoor deals that are hard to know when you're, when it's your idea. Right. But ideally you're not working with people like that, but that's just hard. I mean, if a, if any networks like we love it and you go to the producer and they're like, we shouldn't pitch them. Ooh, that to me is a red flag of like, why not? Right. Like, what is it? I think he just wanted to go. He wanted to have the
2: agent. He wanted, he, I think he felt like once we send them the script through that one, the slam dance competition, He thought the script needed some work and he thought, you know, he basically, his thing was like, they'll read it once and we don't want to mess up that opportunity, but then they didn't read it ever.
3: Yeah. And that, and that's just a good, that's an example of like, there was a call made and maybe it was the wrong call, but it was a decision hopefully that you feel, it sounds like you feel like you didn't have ownership over that decision and that's the bummer.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not
3: bitter about it or anything. Like, I think
2: that show was a hard sell that season basically. It was like a time travel show two years ago and like four time travel shows were sold with like yeah. big showrunners and big attachments. One of them is Timeless. It's, I think, still on the air. I love time travel um, shows. So I love them so
3: much. Uh, Let's not take note. There's not enough of them and I can't <laughs> pitch them right now. I've gotten time travel ideas and the owners are like, there's too many. We can't pitch that. Yeah. There's uh, a few ideas like that that hmm. are just, there's idea exhaustion.
2: Right? right. Like I have a show that's kind of Stranger Things-ish. Yeah, and it's like every show is that Can't you know it. the yep. '80s or '90s, like kids in a school discovering something yep. supernatural. It or, sounds
3: awesome. I love yeah. Stranger Things. <laughs>
2: yeah, mine's actually not even supernatural. Stranger Things minus all the cool things. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's Game of Thrones, but none of the stakes. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> about bulletin board systems. BBSs. Are you guys familiar with these? They're uh, like pre-internet. Anyway, it's riveting stuff. Phone freaking. Um, yeah, freaking hacking. Yeah. Cool uh, anarchy. Jolly Rogers Anarchist. I remember ICQ. How old are you? 20? What? This is like uh, way before ICQ. Oh, wow. ICQ is like internet days. We're talking about like when you used to like see a phone number in the like the local newspaper and you would dial it with your modem.
3: How old are you?
2: Orin I'm, is I'm 92. I'm pretty old. <laughs> he really takes care of himself. Yeah. Though. I was a giant nerd in sixth grade. Mm. Uh, any final piece of advice for people that are trying to pitch a show? Uh, young people, maybe people that just... Uh, graduated film school or anything
3: it it's really the advice that you have a hundred shows inside you and so don't wait to develop the one show that's going to rule them all like be thinking about three to five shows and don't spend time waiting to write that pilot Mm -hmm. because it's really about your second pilot or third or sixth or 15th pilot that you're going to write so that's that's what I would say is like churn them out. Get the yeah. bad pilots out. Yeah, or even if it's a good pilot, after you've written six, you can go back and be like, actually, my first one was really good. Nailed it on the first but try. But you won't know yeah, sure. yeah. on your first one. And won't, unless you're a genius, and I hope
0: you are, but yeah. it won't be the first one.
3: And and the other, the, oh, I have so many thoughts about this. If you're a really young writer... I, unfortunately, I think a lot of screenwriting and playwriting programs teach voice and tone But actually most of your career will be font somebody else's voice and tone mm-hmm. So like like be working on both skill sets mm-hmm. Don't just make your own stuff Also figure out how to write a family guy episode and an it's always sunny episode and a goldberg's episode and a promo for fox sports And like be able to do all of it But you're not saying write a spec script for family guy Sure What else are you doing? <laughs> I don't why know, not I guess my point is like be able to have the skill where you can also staff yeah right and be able to write in somebody else's voice for whatever that voice is
0: it is a shame that specking isn't really a thing anymore you know because it isn't that's the job most of the time
3: but I, I've read, read so many pilots that are not specs they're just sample scripts of like you clearly you clearly understand structure tone character and they're fine. Mm-hmm. They're like they're not original ideas. Right. Cuz the point is to go this isn't my pilot that I want the one show I want to make, but you can see that I know how to write. Right. So I think specs are dead but sample pilots aren't. Cool. Yeah.
2: Well, so we usually like to end the show with a segment we call
0: unpaid endorsements.
2: I went to this restaurant today for lunch that I go to a lot called Soprasada Um they have pokey and they have sandwiches. I love it, but they have this map there called MapHawk And if you are new to L.A., especially if you live in, like, Silver Lake, Los Feliz, Atwater, Echo Park area, MapHawk makes these maps. They have them, like, all over different stores and restaurants. Spell MapHawk for us. M-A-P-H-A-W-K. Okay. And they have a website, MapHawk.com. And it's just literally a list of all the restaurants, bars, and coffee shops in, like, Silver Lake, Los Feliz, um, and Atwater, and Echo Park. And, I don't know, it's just, like, a good way to figure out where to work and where to eat in LA. So, um, especially if you live here. So check it out, maphawk.com My other thing, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I'm working on the script right now and just trying to brainstorm, you know, kind of good endings. And I was like looking things up on Google. Um, so Michael Arndt made this video when he was working at Pixar on Toy Story 3 called Beginnings, Setting a Story into Motion. And it's like this animated video about the things that he doesn't say every movie should have, but if you're having trouble figuring out why your movie isn't working, he's come to the conclusion that a lot of times you just haven't set things up the right way, mm-hmm. like why people don't care about your characters or why the stakes seem too low. And so there's this video, Beginnings Setting a Story in Motion, where he is just talking about how he designs his first acts of movies. That's really good. And supposedly he has a lecture called uh, Insanely Great Endings that he's given all over the place. And you just have to go listen to him. There's I couldn't find anything online except for yeah. little quotes.
0: It's a Pixar uh like seminar
2: that he does that
0: I think we talked about in the second episode of this show because Charles Hood from Night Owls, like swears by it, but the the big takeaway. Is like that your stakes should be there's three different aspects of it. You should have your philosophical stakes Mm -hmm. Your physical stakes and your emotional stakes Ideally the climaxes of all three of those stakes should happen as closely together as possible and then he shows in the end of the first Star Wars movie how like friendship prevails and they blow up the Death Star and the world is saved thanks it, like within 30 seconds Han Solo mm. flies back in with the Millennium Falcon because l- friendship has prevailed and Luke believes in himself and ta-da everything's great didn't
3: the editor do a lot of that decision making sure in yeah. that story but the point is is that it works yeah anyway <laughs> well what do you guys get um this is actually from a few months ago but I saw this group from Chicago perform and they called Chicago <laughs> it's about Chicago no they're, they're... called preach oh and they are a spoken word improv team, and they are uh, they have a really cool format and structure where they it's all people of color. They come out to music. They they one of them steps out and says, "This is what's been inspiring me lately. What's been inspiring you?" And they, so they ask somebody in the audience, and they say something, and then they. So, right, the audience member says whatever's going right. to them. Amazon Prime. Yeah, sure. And ideally it's something a little bit more help, heartfelt, but if it's Amazon Prime, sure, sure. Right. then Amazon, Amazon now. Yeah. Amazon <laughs> Fresh? Yeah. Amazon Fresh, sure. Jeff Bezos. There and so the, <laughs> um, the stock price of Amazon going up. <laughs> so then, And then one person steps out and does a spoken word poem based on that idea. and Improvised spoken word. Yeah, yeah. improvised spoken word. And it's all from a personal narrative standpoint. So... While right. they are often funny, but they aren't funny funny, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, ha <laughs> ha funny. Yeah, yeah it's sure. like they're comedic, but also very heartfelt and very serious, and very about the person's point of view and where they, where they come from, mm-hmm. and, beca- and partially because they're all people of color, people of diverse backgrounds. That there's just a there's a lot of story to tell, mm-hmm. and uh, then they do you know very funny improv scenes, and it's and they're really really good, and they're currently. doing a run at io in chicago on friday nights oh cool so preach basically somebody does spoken word and then when somebody does spoken word and there's a line of dialogue that everybody somebody on the back line likes oh cool they snap and say preach and then the person repeats that dialogue that's preach and repeats the dialogue preach and then the next scene's about from that line of dialogue that's excellent and they're wonderful cool they're so good preach preach well
0: mine is um, not quite so fun as that but uh do you guys know the the program shot designer yeah i think we've had it
2: let's reendorse. endorse hey, listen
0: if, if this is my first time to double down on endorsement okay shot designer it's best for the ipad but you can use it on you know your computer as well it's nice to have like a pencil or some sort of stylus but it's basically a top-down way of um creating schematics for your shots basically so you know you can have like you set your marks for all of your actors you set your cameras and it's really helpful in terms of like your more complicated stuff I just did a big musical number a couple weeks back and like I had to make sure that none of my cameras were in each other's shots as we were moving down this big block and there was a curve and there's a jib and a study cam and all this stuff and the only way to really like internalize it was to really plan it out really cleanly and shot designer ended up being an awesome tool for it so that's my recommendation it's like 10 bucks on in the app store yes it might be 20 it's well worth it that's for sure just everything changed on the day as it always does but like being able to really visualize like you're playing with action figures basically and they're animated through each step so like i had like 12 different moments where it was like okay my dancers are here the car is here. The cameras are there. Being able to step through all of those things and just think through like, oh, you know, this camera's going to be in that shot or I need this or this shot will be better. Even it prepared me for the day so that when things shifted, I was ready and had a real thorough understanding of how to compose everything. It was great. So cool shot, shot designer design, worth
3: doubling down
2: on. Nice. Um, well, if we want to find out more about you, Spencer, should we go to your website?
3: Uh, yeah, for now, com would be the place to go.
2: And are you on Twitter?
3: I am, but I don't even know my Twitter handle. <laughs> cool. Um, not, cool. Uh, you know, as people have ideas and pitches, that my website's the best way to oh, cool.
2: talk about it. That's awesome. Thanks. Well, if you want to find out more about the show, you can check out com. You can email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com. Uh, please leave us a review on itunes it's super helpful for us uh you can check out our twitter and instagram also at just shoot a pod i'm at Smighty pileg i'm at mr Madenlo. this episode was edited by jay mccullough our
0: site master is ewan williams and this episode was produced by madeline rosewood music was provided by the free music archive and the artist jazar our question of the week is what is the craziest thing you had to do for a film job so if you want to join the conversation, we'll have a uh, Twitter thread and a Facebook thread so you can pick your poison, um, share your stories. We'd love to hear them. And we'll share our favorites on the show. That's everything, right? I think yep. Well. Thanks, Spencer. Thank you guys Thank so you. much. Bye, everyone. Bye.